Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted. I want to give you an edge, a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. It's often the little things, small behaviors, that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. Protecting in Retirement. So this is the third podcast of this series. The first one was kind of the mindset, getting your mind right, making sure you prepare, do a number of things to get ready for retirement. The second one was the strategy. This truthfully is that one that's on everyone's mind all the time. Like, how am I going to take my income and how am I going to invest it now that I'm retired and all of those things? These are the things on the forefront of people's minds. But being a financial planner, those are really important, as I said last time. But then there's this layer of protecting the other areas of financial planning that help you protect these assets in a variety of ways. And so when I talk about protecting, it actually reminds me of something that happened yesterday. Just yesterday, the chief investment officer, John, who was on the previous podcast about the elections in the market, he walked in and he was protected from the cold. It was a chilly day out and it was the first time I had ever seen him wear this, I don't remember, it was like a jacket that was zipped up and I thought to myself, John really looks good. And I don't find myself thinking that about John very often. And so what I did was I specifically thought to myself, that's not something John normally wears. So therefore, wait, John has a significant other in his life now. So I asked him, John, where did you get that from? Did this have to do with your significant other? He smiled and said, yeah, of course. So then I had to call James over. And James, what occurred after that? Yeah, so when I when, when you called me over, right, I, I looked at John and you were spot on. Yeah, I could tell immediately that was not something John normally wears, but I liked it as well. It was a Patagonia jacket and uh, looked sharp. I am also one where as soon as I got married, my attire, let's just say uh, the apparel itself I was wearing was was much more proper. And it's amazing what wives can do. You mean you looked nice finally? I look nice finally, yeah. I, I like to spice it up a little bit differently in wording, but I look nice. Well, one thing about the jacket was I said to John, once he confirmed that it was purchased by his significant other, he also confirmed to me that she said it was on sale. Ah. And then I said get ready and be used to hearing that because I've heard that for many, many years. Uh, speaking of changing your attire, so I met my wife in college and I ended up growing up playing golf. I was on the golf team in high school and there was a guy on the golf team who was my buddy. And for some crazy reason, I actually thought he had fashion knowledge and he wore all pastels all the time. So I thought that's what looked cool. And in hindsight, when I look at those pictures of the clothing that I was wearing, and right when I met my wife in college, I think she got rid of like half the stuff, like right when I met her. So I told John, you got to be prepared for this probably happening to you as well. You know, I think subconsciously as men, we have this inherent desire to please our significant others. And, you know, we'll never admit it because we like the certain things that we like, but if it doesn't please her, I'm going to change it. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, Rach. If you're listening, I will change. <laughs> so let's dive right in. Taxes. 
Yeah. So taxes, two things consistent in life, death and taxes, right? When you retire, very often your tax situation changes. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're working and you have a paycheck, those taxes are being prepaid. It's very different when you're retired. You know, you take money out of your retirement accounts, perhaps. You're taking money out of taxable accounts, different forms of payment. Social Security sometimes is taxed, sometimes it's not. It all depends. Your tax situation is a little bit more complex, hopefully in a better spot. Most people, it's a better overall tax payment they pay, but it's different. And so what you do have to take into account is what are what is my tax estimation going to be and how do I make sure that I prepay everything to account for those taxes so I don't have a large tax bill come April? Two ways mainly you're, that's being done is you pay quarterly estimated taxes ahead of time if there's a significant enough income. And so your accountant will help you do that. And then the other way is if you're taking money out of retirement accounts, depending on the state you live in, you might have to pull some money out and have it set aside that they will that the that the company you work with will do for you as well as US federal taxes. Yeah, and our tax situation is ever changing. We all know that. There's a variety of different changes going on, one of them being marginal tax rates. Marginal tax rates is really important because we don't want to make sure that we go into that next bracket. We just had a situation like that that happened recently where a client decided over 70 and a half has been taking out minimum required distributions. The CARES Act this year that was passed allows you to not have to take that out. So he's debating, should he not take that required minimum distribution? And then he was talking about maybe taking two next year. And I said, you may want to do that, but you want to make sure you look at if that puts you in that next tax bracket, that marginal tax bracket, and you want to take all of these things into account because it's important on how it affects Social Security and Medicare and things of that nature. Yeah, some of these little things, these little decisions we make can affect our tax situation drastically. Another one are Roth conversions. Where I've seen these most successful are when people are retiring in a given year, maybe mid-year, so they only make half the income that they were accustomed to. Uh, a Roth conversion makes some sense sometimes because you're in a lower tax bracket. Or before RMDs even. Uh, you know, I would definitely take a look at Roth conversions. Uh, when you convert and you're in a low tax bracket, you pay lower in taxes. Now you go to a tax-free environment where you won't have to pay taxes on that money again. It's, it's, it's pretty neat stuff. Another tax tidbit would be capital gains, capital losses. Sometimes we can't control the capital gains that we're getting. Sometimes we can't control the losses if something went bad. Make sure you know if you have what are called carry-forward losses. Use those to offset capital gains in specific situations. And then also taking advantage of tax loss harvesting, which we referenced in episode three. I'd say the last thing that you want to consider, if you are charitably inclined, if you give money to charities in the form of 501c3s, not to your not to other individuals, but in the form of charities. Something we've been doing the last couple of years is having people give strategically to charities in a little different way than they have in the past. In the past, you, you could itemize deductions in the form of charitable contributions, sometimes interest on homes, real estate taxes. 
some of that stuff got taken away a couple of years ago, and the standard deduction for individuals and for couples has gone up. So an example of what we did for somebody who likes to give twenty dollars to $25,000 a year to charities is this client of ours, I said, why don't we give more money in one year to an account called a charitable gift fund? Fidelity Investments has the biggest one, but there's some other ones that are out there that are very similar, like Vanguard and, and a few other institutions. What I did was I encouraged him to give a lot, two years worth, into this account in one year, plus he was able to itemize some other deductions. That's what we did at the end of last year. He got a huge tax write-off, and now this year he's going to take the standard deduction. He spread out then the giving to those charities over two years. So that's an example of how to strategically still get charitable deductions but you got to do it in a little bit different way. If he did it over both years, he would have gotten the deduction and he would have maybe had to pay an extra around $5,000 in taxes. More tax savings. So I know some of you are listening to this and saying, gosh, this is a lot of numbers, a lot of different rules, but I want to save money in taxes, right? So if that's you, a couple of pieces of pieces of advice. First and foremost, hire an accountant to file your taxes. Even better, if that accountant can do some tax consulting, provide some tax advice, different than just filing your taxes, hire someone that can do that as well. Certainly financial advisors can do that. Tax planners can do that. Find an expert in this tax area if you're not a numbers person, unlike Ed and myself who can talk to you about taxes for too long. Uh, find an expert. Second element of protecting. So the first element of protecting was this tax is trying to minimize them and take care of them in the most efficient way possible. The second element is in the, is in the form of insurance. It's really something that no one gets excited about. We talked about the health insurance, that it's quite the migraine headache that nobody likes. These other versions of insurance are super important. I, I give examples to, to clients that say, we want to make sure that this nest egg that you have that generates this income, that's your workhorse, that's remember where that we turn the faucet on. We want to protect that. And insurance is a huge way of protecting that. One version of insurance that some people have, some people don't, is something called long-term care insurance. Everybody asks me, should I have that? Well, you don't always have to have it. It's great to have, except it's expensive. And so therefore, if you do have it, you want to take a look at it every so often, at least every three to five years, and especially long-term care insurance, when you buy it, most of the time it reserves the right to increase the premiums, meaning you have to pay more and more in order to have the same amount of insurance. So then they'll give you an option often to pay the same premium, but your insurance amount that they're going to give you goes down. So you just have to weigh those things. It's not a right or wrong answer. So I'm hearing that just long-term care coverage doesn't stay the same the entire time, huh? No, most of the time it, it ends up changing or they have the right. The insurance company, what happened was years and years ago, insurance companies, when they came out with the product, they ended up losing hand over fist because they created a lot of guarantees where they couldn't raise the premiums and people still got the insurance. And as we know, over the years, people live longer. And so therefore the insurance companies, a lot of them ended up going out of business because they just couldn't afford it. They, they'd actuarially done it wrong. 
So as science keeps improving, these insurance companies are going to be in some trouble, huh? Yeah. If people end up living a lot longer, then the same thing will happen again. But they've, res- they've protected themselves a little bit more, at least in this version. We'll, we'll see what happens. Second version of insurance is life insurance. There's really two types of life insurance. There's what's called term insurance. And this is insurance that you buy for a period of time. You want to go back and look and see, do you still need it? You know, when you get close to retirement, if you have that nest egg, oftentimes you might not need it anymore. And so if you don't, you may want to drop it. If you do, there may be reasons, but you just want to make sure it's worth those premiums that you're paying. The second type are permanent life insurance policies. And and these are policies that you sometimes have paid up. Sometimes they keep sending you a premium notice. People oftentimes don't know this, but you don't always have to keep paying those. You can actually go back to the insurance company and you can talk to them and say, what are my options with this permanent insurance? The permanent insurance has life insurance and an investment component connected to it. Many times they'll let you convert it to what's called paid up or a permanent policy that just gives you a certain amount of life insurance and you don't have to put any more money into it. Again, these are not blanket statements that you do, but you want to take a look at those. And once you do, like the life insurance, once you've made that decision, you don't have to look at it again. So what I'm hearing is, first off, determine, do I need insurance if I have it? If so, how much do I need? And then secondly, take make sure you understand all your options associated with those insurance policies you have. Exactly. That's right. I mean, the last type of insurance to look at will be insurance on your home and your car. This is insurance we know we all have to have. It's super important. And then there's maximums that they will allow you to have on that. For example, maybe four or $500,000 of protection, liability protection for your homeowner's insurance. So I always will bring up an example and I'll ask people, do you have something called an umbrella policy? And what this is, is this is insurance that's like an umbrella that goes over the top of your homeowners and your car. I'd say about half the time people have it, half the time they don't. And then I tell them this type of policy is very inexpensive, sometimes just a couple hundred dollars a year for another million dollars of insurance. And what the reason why we want to consider this, strongly consider it, I think virtually almost anybody who has investments and they want to protect them is to have this insurance. If something happens and you get sued either at your house or because you're driving in your car, and you get sued and you lose, and it's above that, let's say, half million dollars that you have in regular protection, guess whose pocket it comes out of? Your own. That's right. And so when I paint the picture in that way to people, they realize, well, you know, if I had a nest egg that I, that, that I built up to a million or $2 million, and I'm living off of it, and all of a sudden in my mind, I realize I'm going to have, I'm going to lose a million dollars. No one wants that. And so for a little bit of money every year, Having that umbrella policy is huge. I personally haven't had anyone use one of those, but my buddy, he does he does this type of insurance. He has a state farm agency, and he's given me a number of examples, and it's completely saved people's lives as well as destroyed people's financial lives. Yeah, and, and for a couple hundred dollars a year, having that peace of mind seems pretty powerful. You know, that's when we think about with insurance is, you know, you've worked so hard building up this nest egg spend a little bit extra and protect it, right? That's that's the purpose of insurance. So we've got the third one. We call it legacy planning, right? Ed, talk to us a little bit about estate planning. Everyone hears that term. What exactly is estate planning? 
Well, estate planning is looking at one's estate, which comprises of everything that you possibly own that has value. And that's your investments and your house and your belongings, everything that you would say is yours. That makes up your estate. When we look at your estate, we want to make sure that you have it structured in a way where when you pass that estate on, you do it in a way that you that it fulfills your wishes on how you want it. Many people will hear about something called a will, and that is a vehicle that's drawn up by attorneys that will proceed to say, I want this, this, and this done with my estate. Some people will hear about things called trusts, and those are very specific documents that will bypass a will. Why do we want to bypass a will? Well, it's because in bypassing a will creates more efficiencies. It's much quicker. If you have your money passed through a will, then what happens is it has to go through probate. That's through the courts, through the, through the government, and it takes much, much longer. One key piece of advice when it comes to this, I recently, a couple years ago, was the executor of one of my clients who was also my cousin. He passed away. I had him get one of these wills about 10 years before, and what happened was he passed away, and I went to the attorney, and I had a copy of the will, and I should have known this, but I didn't know this. Almost nobody knows this. You actually have to have the actual will in order to submit it to the courts. I couldn't find it. I didn't realize this. I looked through his belongings everywhere about five separate times. And the reason why this was important was because this will was changing a previous will that was going to give the, his estate away to the person he cared about most, which was his daughter. In the other will, it was going to give it to some other family members he didn't have much of a relationship with. I was freaking out. I was really stressed out that I couldn't find it. On the last day before we were going to have to pivot and go to the courts and try to ask if they could use this copy, I looked in one last place. I popped this trunk of a car that he had not driven for like five years. I looked. It was full of crap in the trunk. And then I saw he had a golf bag, which he hadn't played because he wasn't healthy anymore. And I opened the zipper in the golf bag and there sat the will. It was the biggest relief I ever had. But I tell everybody, you need to have a, not a copy of the will, but you actually need the actual will. Talk about finding a needle in a haystack. How did you think that it would be in a golf bag? Well, I just was frantic. And you know, when you're frantic, sometimes you'll look anywhere. But going back to the estate planning piece, this is this is an important thing that you don't have to deal with a lot in your life. You may want to look at all your estate planning stuff every five years. If, if you work with an estate planning attorney and you visit with them every five, six, seven years, or you're working with a financial planner, they can help you look at, are your things structured in the right way? The last document, documents that everybody wants that's really important is what's called power of attorney. It's, it's while you're alive, who do you want to take care of all of your all of your things, your physical things, whether it's your bills or your property, for some reason you get incapacitated where you can't make all your own decisions or even your healthcare decisions. You want to make sure you have someone that can do that. Oftentimes it's a spouse. If it's not a spouse, it's someone super important to you, whether it's children or friend or whatever. All these things are important and we just want to make sure you review them often enough to make sure that you will take care of your estate in a way that you wish. 
So here's a perfect example of someone who didn't review them in a timely manner and, and unfortunately it backfired on him from his spouse's point, point of view. It was about seven years ago, we were handling uh, some client accounts uh, that were self-directed, right? They were in charge of everything. And uh, he unfortunately passed away suddenly. And his second wife came in with a death certificate. You never like to see those, but original death certificate. When I looked at the beneficiaries of all his, his investable assets worth about $2 million, everything was set to go to his nephew. This was the gentleman's second marriage. He got remarried to this lady who came in a couple years back prior to him passing, never got around to updating the beneficiaries. Well, it went to all the nephew. The wife didn't receive anything. And so, you know, that is a perfect example of a minor mistake. He could have filled out a simple document. You know, I, to this day, think it didn't, uh, the money didn't go to his wishes. Yeah, when you have beneficiaries set up uh, on accounts like that, they're nearly irrevocable unless you can have proof. And so that's really important. I mean, I we've seen this numerous times. You know, you you set up a beneficiary on an IRA account or a life insurance policy, you're married, your wife or your husband is the primary beneficiary and you had one or two children at the time and then you end up having one more kid that you didn't know you were going to have and then if something happens to you then it goes to two out of the three children. I mean, these are devastating things. And imagine, you know, if that child didn't get it, they might go, why didn't my parent give that to me? Or why didn't I get what, you know, I didn't know there was anything wrong. And, and maybe that wasn't it at all. It was just oversight. So checking your beneficiaries, checking all of these things, super important, kind of wrapping up this whole protecting I realize that most of the stuff we're talking about is boring or it's stuff that you put off. It's stuff that you don't want to do. But if you just get it done and you work with professionals, bam, 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 get it done. You don't need to worry about it too often. Yep. I couldn't agree more. You know, if you are retired and you haven't looked at this just yet, it is not too late, right? There's, you know, there aren't specific timeframes on these, which is why people put it off. But, you know, the old saying, is it's never too late. That brings us to food for thought. I am going to share with you a recipe that is so easy and so delicious that if you don't give it a try, shame on you. So I've probably made this now about 10 times, and I don't even know where I came across it. But for those of you who have slow cookers, what, what's another term for slow cookers. It's a crock pot, crock pot. Yeah. Crock pot. That's what they were called growing up. So you just need a crock pot or a slow cooker and it's bone in chicken thighs, chicken broth. Let's see, cream cheese. I think that's it. And you just slow cook it for, I don't know, three or four hours, just for some reason that sauce. And then what you do is you make some bacon on the side, some chives on the side. I ended up just grabbing some mushrooms and sauteing them in butter, and I put them all on the side so then people can can take this and, and end up having it as almost like a gravy. The sauce is so much that's in there, along with the chicken. Uh, after, after I made it, my in-laws came over last night. My mother-in-law immediately wanted the recipe. Everybody else who's ever eaten it, it thinks it was great. But I literally, like, everybody left. It was in the evening, and I wish I didn't do this, but it was so good. I just was, like, drinking the the gravy. I was just drinking it. And then you saw me eat it today, James. So it's really easy. We're going to post the recipe. Give it a try. I mean, now, let's see, two weeks ago, 
what was it? The uh, banana, the banana, banana cakes. You got to try that one and yep. tell us next time. You got to tell us how that is, and then hopefully. Uh, do you guys have a crock pot or a slow cooker? Oh, we do. Okay. We, have, we have a crock pot. We call it a crock pot, by the way. So maybe we're old school, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Either way, either way, it's the same thing. It's delicious. Give it a try. Well, sounds great. Appreciate it, Ed. We'll talk to you all next time. Enjoy. I have been slapped on my hand one too many times by my compliance attorney. This is to put me in good standing. This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice, and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.